This is the Dafyomi Masechta Review, Masechta Kiddushin, tape number two. For subscription information, write us at Dafyomi Tapes, P.O. Box 831, Muncie, New York, 10952, or call 1-888-DAFYOMI. This tape is dedicated in memory of Rabbi Yomin Ben Yomtsev Ruben, Zichroin Olivrocha. Amagit is Rabbi Yossi Heber. We're holding a Masechta Kiddushin, Daf Chav Beis Amid Beis at the Mishnah, in the middle of the sugya of Eved Knani. And the Mishnah says, An Eved Knani is nikne via kesef, shtar, or chazaka, and he is kind of himself back via someone redeeming him with kesef, or with a shtar by himself. This is the shita of Rameir. The Chachamim say, through kesef he can redeem himself, or a shtar he can be redeemed via someone else. And the Gemara says, an Eved can also be nikna via chalipin, via trade. Shmuel says an Eved Kanani can also be nikna via Kinyan Meshicha. How does Kinyan Chazaka work by an Eved Kanani? If an Eved does work, that shows that he's an Eved to his master. For example, he ties his master's shoes. That shows that he actually is owned by this particular master. And that would be a good Kinyan Chazaka. Tafchav Gimel. The Gemara says a ger who dies, his property at the moment he dies, becomes Hefker. If an Evid Kanani wants Cheres, and he wants the Cheres, the freedom to come via the Kenyan of Kesef, according to a mayor, the Kesef must have been given by someone else. Because if he received, if the Evid Kanani received the Kesef on his own, it's like he didn't receive it at all, because we say, Masha Kana Evid, Kana Rabbi. And besides, his going free is actually a Chayv, according to a mayor, since freedom doesn't allow him to have free food, and so on and so forth. Because going free is really not good, according to Rabbi Meir. And since this is a chayv, it would have to be done in front of him. Otherwise, it would not be good. A shtar, however, he can accept. Since we say, by a shtar, So when he gets the shtar, it's as if it belongs to him. The Chachamim say exactly the opposite. He can be kind of kasev by himself. Shtar has to be al So shtar b'acherem is good, since freedom is his chus. And zochin l'adam shalai b'fanav. And Kesef he can use by himself. According to Rameir, an Evid cannot redeem himself with his own Kesef, since we say, What an Evid acquires belongs to his master, and what a wife acquires belongs to her husband. But the Rabbanan say the money will belong to both the Baal and the Evid, so the Evid could use it to free himself. If a woman inherits something while she is married, we have a special Takanas Chachamim of Nichsei Malug. This is sort of a quasi-Kinyan um, where both people own it. She, the woman, owns the land, but the husband has the right to eat from the Paris. We should point out that when we're talking about Meiser Shani, if Meiser Shani is redeemed, a person must add a Chaymish. But only a man is Mechuyev to add a Chaymish, to add one-fifth, not a woman. So if at this point she inherits, while she's married, Meiser Shani from her father, do we consider it belonging to her since she owns the land, and therefore it would be Pater from Chaymish, or do we consider it that it belongs to the husband, since he has the right to the Paris? Therefore, an extra chemish would be required. So according to a mayor, the Maeser Shani is hers, so no chemish is required. First of all, because it belongs to her, but because they hold Maeser Shani is considered mamain gavaya. The Chachamim say, it belongs to the husband. Therefore, a chemish is required, since we say Maeser Shani is considered mamain hedit. Gemara says, if a master wounds his Evid Kanani, he hurts him, and he loses an eye, a tooth, or any other aver, which is considered something which is external and cannot grow back, then his owner has to set him free. This is learned from two psukim in Parshish Mishpatim. 
I, since we have two psukim, why don't we say, and therefore you can only learn the halacha on Shein V'yayin, because that's where the psukim are written. More answers, both were needed for specific chidushim. Therefore you don't say, because they were both needed for something very specific. Reb Shimon says that although the Evid goes free, but in order for him to have the status of a full ben chayrin, his master would have to give him a get shikhrar. Rameir says he becomes a full ben chayrin once he goes out due to Yitzhia Shein V'yayin, and he does not need a get shikhrar. Finally, if the master hit the Eved on his eye, and he didn't lose the eye mamish, but he became blind, he also goes free. Or if the owner hit him on the ear and deafened him, but didn't actually cut off his ear, the same halacha would apply, he would also go free. However, if he stam made him deaf via a loud sound, he does not have to send him free. If the Eved Kanani went to his master and asked him to fix a tooth, and by accident the master knocked out the tooth, so then he also goes free. Rupshim Gamliel says, since it was only an accident, he does not go out free. There are 24 tips of limbs on a person which don't become tame from the part of tsaras called michya. This is when healthy flesh is surrounded by tsaras. These 24 include the ends of the fingers and toes. In any of these 24, if the owner causes damage, the evid gets to go free. Rebbe says, if he causes damage to the testicles, he also goes free. But as I add the loss of a tongue also. Ula says, all agree that the tongue is considered goli, is considered open, regarding becoming, becoming tame via sheretz. Since if a hidden part of the body touches something tame, it doesn't become tame. This is called maga base hasasarim. The same is true with mikvah, that for tefillah, the water only has to touch open parts of the body, not hidden parts like the tongue. Once there was a maisa with the shivcha of Rabbi, where she did tefillah, and then they found a piece of wood between her teeth. So they made her do tefillah again. Aye, but why should she have to do tefillah again? The teeth are hidden. So chatzitza shouldn't make a difference because once they're hidden, it doesn't matter whether the water touched that part or not. The more answers, since we say, kol haroi lebila ein bila ma'keves, because she'ena roi lebila bila ma'keves. Reb says this. This is a mashal by Menachas, which is brought down in many places in Shas. If one wants to bring a large carbon, which is 61 esreinim, he must bring it in two vessels. Otherwise, it's impossible to mix it with the proper amount of shemen, a mincha belula. So the same here. Since it's impossible for water to get between the teeth, it's ma'ak of the tefillah. Mashenkin, if it would be something that would be possible at least, and then it wouldn't have touched the part, then it would be okay. The Rishayim ask on this comparison that bila is midaraisa. While this inyan of chatzitza by inner parts of the body is only midarabanam. So how can you make the comparison? Taisus answers, since there's a pasuk for tefillah, the rachatz pesari b'mayim, it's considered a good comparison. The Mishnah, as background. There are numerous types of kinyanim by metaltalin. Number one, a kinyan hagba, which means lifting the thing up. That's a kinyan. Number two, kinyan meshicha, which means moving it. And number three, kinyan mesira. This is a symbolic giving from a seller to a buyer. Hagba is considered the most chashiv and can be used for anything. Meshicha is generally used for larger items, which are hard to pick up. And Mesira is only used for animals or boats. And the Mishnah says, Rameyer says, A behemah gasa is acquired only through Kenyan Mesira, but of course can also be kaina, can be acquired through Hagba. A small animal, like a sheep, is only acquired via Hagba. The Chachamim say, A small animal, like a behemah daka, can also be done via Meshicha. And the Gemara says, in a different b'risa, we learned some different shitas. The Chachamim say, both a behema gasa and a behema daka can have meshicha. 
Reb Shimon says both a behema gasa and a behema daka can only be done with hagba. Rav paskins like the chachamim in the brisa. According to Reb Shimon, how could you acquire an elephant which is too big for hagba? How is it possible that you could pick up something that big? Our answer is via chalipin, giving a suder or a handkerchief, and you're making the chalipin. That's a good kenyan. Or renting the property where the animal stands, which is considered a kenyan chutzar, that would also be a good kenyan. It's necessary to explain how this kenyan works. If the animal is standing in a chutzar, how exactly? What are the mechanics of that kind of a kenyan? The Rashbam in Baba Basra, Dafayin Vav, writes with regard to a similar case that once he rents the land, it's considered like it belongs to his chutzar, it's his chutzar, and therefore he can be kinda any item on the land via kenyan chutzar. The Baal Itor, however, contends that a renter does not have sufficient ownership in leased property for it to be considered his chutzer, so he can be kinda with it. He therefore says that the method of Kinyan here in our Gemara is Kinyan Agav Karka. This is the Kinyan discussed in the next Mishnah, by which one can acquire metaltalin along with the acquisition of Karka, real estate. And therefore, along with renting the land, he can also be kinda the elephant via Kinyan Agav Karka. the Mishnah. Karka which is called Nechasim Sheyeshlohan Achrayas, if someone borrows money and can't pay it back, the Malva can collect Karka. In other words, because it's Achrayas, he depends on it, and he knows that he could always come and collect Karka. That's why Karka is called Nechasim Sheyeshlohan Achrayas, because if he can't collect from anywhere else, he can depend on collecting from the Karka. This Karka can be acquired via Kesef, Shtar, and Chazaka, which is physical possession. Metaltalin, which is considered a Dover She'enlan Achrayas, since the Malva doesn't depend on ever getting it, if he has no other way of getting the money back, i.e. the Leiva can hide it. So therefore the Malva can never find it in the first place, so he doesn't rely on getting it. He doesn't, no achrayas, he can't rely on it. These Nechassim can only be Nikna via Kinyan Meshicha. And the Gemara says, Chazaka is when someone does something to the field that shows he owns it, or he, he actually lives on it. Like we see from the Pasuk and Devarim, Perak Yud Aleph, If someone gives Karka, he can give metaltalin also, which will be nikna via kinyan agav, as we mentioned before. It's nikna bederach agav. Once you're already acquiring the karka, you also acquire the metaltalin. We know that there are numerous halachas which require a person to own some land. And some land can mean even a tiny drop of land. For example, even a tiny piece of land makes a person mechuyev in mitzvah's peah. And he's allowed to bring bikurim also if he owns a little bit of land. In addition, once a person owns even a small portion of land, he can write a prusbal just with this small piece of land. What is a prusbal? Hillel HaZakein made a takana of prusbal. Normally, in the year of Shemitah, all loans become null and void. So when it was coming very close to Shemitah, people who were wealthy were afraid to lend money right before the Shemitah year because they were afraid they wouldn't get it back once Shemitah comes along. So poor people who needed money in the sixth year would have problems borrowing money because no one would lend them money. Prusbal says that the loan belongs to Hektish. Instead of the loan being actually paid back to Shimon, who, let's say, is the Malva, and Shimon is the one who is the Malva, Hektish actually becomes the Malva, and therefore it remains Chayev even in Shemitah year, because Shemitah is only Chal on Kesef which belongs to a Hedyot. Shemitah is not Chal on Kesef which belongs to Hektish. Therefore, this special thing, Prisbal, says that the loan actually belongs to Hektish, therefore it's not null and void during the Shemitah year. But one can only write a Prisbal if he owns some land, and even if it's a Karka, Kalsho, or just a little bit of land, he's allowed to write a Prisbal. And the Gemara asks, in order for Kinyan Agav to be Chal, does the Metaltalan actually have to be sitting on the Karka Mamish, or can it be in a different place? We learn from the case that Rabbi Gamliel gave Meiser Sheni to Yeshua, and Meiser Sheni to Rabbi Akiva, the Gavite Staka, that the Metaltalan must actually be on the land in order for Kinyan Agav to be Chal. If a person is on his deathbed, 
He's a shchiv mira. So according to the Chachamim, we say, Matna shchiv mira, ki ksuvim u kimisurim dami. We don't require a normal star or a kinyan, but if he gives a matana, balpeh, it's considered a good matana. Since we don't want to make him nervous, therefore as soon as he says, you know, I want a thousand dollars of mine to be given over to Yanko. Therefore, since he's sitting on the deathbed, we say that that kinyan is good. Abeliezer argues, and says that a shchiv mira must also make a maizik kinyan in order to transfer property. You just can't say it, but rather a kinyan actually has to take place. The Morris says, in order for a shtar to be chal, it must be written, bedas hamizchayef. The one who is actually going to be chayef to pay has to be fully aware that the shtar is being written. The Gemara paskins that for Kenyan Agav to be effective, you don't need the metaltalin to actually be sitting on the land. Does someone have to explicitly say he's making a Kenyan Agav? The Gemara answers yes, he actually has to say that he's making quote unquote a Kenyan Agav. And the Gemara says if the karka is being transferred via mecher, via sale, and the metaltalin is transferred via a matana, can Kenyan Agav work or not? Since they're two different transactions, maybe it doesn't work. One is a matana and one is a mechira. Or, if the karka went to Ruvain and the metaltalin went to Shimon, can Kenyan Agav work? It's going to two different people. The Gemara says sometimes the power of Kesef is stronger than Shtar, and sometimes the power of Shtar is stronger than Kesef. Kesef is stronger since it can only be used to redeem Hektish and Maeser Sheni. Mashen can Shtar can't. Shtar is stronger because it can be used for Get. Mashen can Kesef cannot. And Chazaka can be stronger than both of them, since if you buy ten fields and you make a Chazaka on only one of them, you can be kind of all ten. But this is only if he paid for all ten. The Gemara says normally there is never a shvua on karka. For example, let's say a person was made of a mikzas and he's mechuyim in a shvua and it happens to be on karka, he would not make the shvua. If, however, one makes a shvua on metaltalin, one could also be chayiv to make a shvua on karka as well. By what we call a gilgul shvua, which is similar to what we mentioned before. Once you do it on one thing, sort of like a kinyanaga, you do it on the other thing too. Ula says, we learn this from the Pasuk by Saita, the Amar Isha. Amen, amen. Just like she makes a shvua that she did not have relations when she was in Asua, the Gilgal rolls over to the fact that she also says she did not have relations when she was in Arusa. We know what the rule is that Maman me'isura la yalfinan. So how can we learn Gilgal shvua by Maman from Saita, which is an Isser? Our answer is learn it from a Kalvachemer. If a person says about a Ben Yisrael that he is an Evid Kanani, we put this particular person into Cherem. This is Mida Keneged Mida. If he says a certain person is a mamzer, we give him malchus, since this is also midah kenegen midah. Taisvis explains that the reason why he deserves specifically the punishment of malchus is because by calling his friend a mamzer, he is in effect insinuating that his friend, as an alleged mamzer, is subject to malchus for forbiddenly marrying Abbas Yisrael. Therefore, in return, midah kenegen midah, he himself is subject to malchus as his punishment for publicizing such a baseless rumor. The Chassam Seifer adds that even if the alleged mamzer is single at the time of the, these charges, this person is still Mokhuyev in Malkus, although he is not alleging that his friend is transessing any Isurim at this moment. However, by calling him a Mamzer, he's insinuating that any future marriage that he may partake in will be subject to Malkus, and therefore he deserves Malkus even in such a case because of the future ramifications of his unfounded charges. In addition, the Gemara says, if he says a certain person is a Russia, we don't punish him, but the recipient can treat him without respect. The next Mishnah, background. This Mishnah discusses Kinyan Chalipin, which very often is referred to as Kinyan Sudar. To affect this Kinyan, a person, the receiver, the Kaina, gives his friend a glove or a handkerchief, and this can be used as a Kinyan for both Karka and Metaltalin. The famous case of Kinyan Chalipin, which we know we do every year, is on Erev Pesach, when we give the Rav the ability, we make a Kinyan with the Rav so he should sell our Chametz, the Rav gives us a handkerchief, we give the handkerchief back, and therefore with that Kinyan, it's a Kenyan Sudar, it's a Kenyan Chalipin, and the Rav takes charge 
and is kaina our chametz for us, and then sells it over to a guy. That's the famous case of kinyan chalipin. And the Mishnah says, anything which is used as payment for something else, immediately when one person takes it, this person is kainit, and the kinyan takes effect. For example, if someone is trading a shore for a para, as soon as A gives B the para, the trade takes effect. And the Gemara says, a coin cannot be used for kinyan chalipin, as we learned from the Gemara in the Bab-Mitziah, daf vav Although technically, minatayra, it can be used for kinyan chalipin, but the Rabbanan made a takana that money cannot be used for this type of a kinyan. Since they were afraid that it was, it was possible that money may have been paid, but title was not transferred, and then a fire took place. The seller then, knowing that he doesn't own it, wouldn't even bother trying to save it. Therefore, only Meshicha can be used, where full title and full possession actually took place. The next Mishnah, regarding Metaltolin, the jurisdiction of Hektish becomes effective with Kesef, but the Rishus of a Hedyot is only effective with taking physical possession, with Meshicha. I.e. Ami Rasai Ligveha Kamisi Rasai Lahedyot. Saying something to Hektish has the same potency as actually giving something mamish to a Hedyot. Tafchavtas. The Gemara. If a person bought metaltalin from Hektish and made a Meshicha when it was worth 100, but by the time he completed paying for it, it was worth 200, he must pay 200 in order to get the item. This is because the Pasik says, Venasan HaKesef. We evaluate it at the value at the time the payment is actually made. This supports our Mishnah, in that Hektish is bought and sold with Kesef. If he did Meshicha, and it was worth 200 Zuzim, and later it went down to 100 Zuzim, then he still must pay 200, since Lo Yehei Kayach Hedyet, Yeser Mikayach Hektish. Since just like in this case, Hedyet would pay 200, by Hektish, we also paid 200. The next Mishnah. All of the mitzvahs of a son that are the responsibility of a father, i.e. Pinyin Aben, Brismila, etc., men are Chayef to do, but women are Pater. But all mitzvahs that a child must do for a parent, both men and women are mechuyev to do. All mitzvahs haseh, which have a time limit, in other words, called a mitzvah haseh shazman groma, only men are mechuyev to do, but women are pater. But if it has no set time, both of them are mechuyev. Also, mitzvahs lois haseh, whether it has a time limit or it doesn't have a time limit, men and women are equal in their chiyev, except for payas, except for the corner where a person has to let his hair grow on the side of his, of his head, only men are mechuyev. Baltashchis, which only men are mechuyev, and Tomei Mesim, if the person is a Kayan, only men have that halacha. And the Gemara says, a woman is mechuyev in Kibar Ava'im, just like a man, because the Pasuk says, Ish imayvi aviv tira'u. Tira'u is plural, therefore women and men are mechuyev equally. A man has a special chiyev to do pinyan haben and mila to his son. He's also mechuyev to teach his son, Tyra, marry him to a wife, and teach him a profession, teach him an umnas. Some say he's also mechuyev to teach him to swim in water in case of danger. In other words, he could fall into water and needs to save himself. Therefore, a father is mechuyev to teach him how to swim. Rabbi Huda says, any man who doesn't teach his son an umnis, a profession, really teaches him how to steal. Since he won't have a parnasa, he won't have a trade, therefore he'll have to steal to make a living. The chiyav of mila, we learn from Vayom Avraham es Yitzchak benay. If the father doesn't do it, Bezdin is mechuyev to do it. And if they don't do it, the child himself is mechuyev to get a mila for himself when he gets older. Otherwise, he'll be chayev karas. But a woman is not mechuyev to do mila, since the Pasuk says, kasher tziva aisai alakim. There's a Pasuk that says in masculine, tziva aisai alakim, which only refers to a man. Therefore, a woman is pater. Here, Taisvis asks, why does the Gemara have to bring a Pasuk of aisai, aisa, to teach us that a woman is pater to give her son mila? It's pshita that she's pater, because the mitzvah says shazaman grama. We know that it's done on the eighth day, therefore it's, it's mitzvah says shazaman grama, she should be pater automatically. 
Taisus answers, it's once the eighth day passes, you can do it any time. In other words, the key of Lachatchila is to do it right on the eighth day. Once you miss the eighth day, you could do it on the ninth day, the tenth day, or when a person is 30 years old. Therefore, it's not a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama because it can be done at any time. I, Taisus asks, but Mila can only be done by day. You're not allowed to do Mila at night. Therefore, that makes it a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama. So even if you could do it when a person is 50 years old, but the fact that you can only do it by day and not night, that would make it a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama. Taisus answers, this goes according to the Shita who holds that Mila Shalei Bizmana can be done at any time. If you do it Mamish on the eighth day Bizman, then you have to do it by day. But if you do it any time after that, you do it immediately at the moment that you can do it, even if it's at night. The Lubavitcher Rebbe answers this question by saying that Mila isn't a one-time mitzvah. You do it, and that's it, and it's finished. But rather, it's a pula nimshechas. The act of Mila is always there. Once a person does it, and the act of Mila was done, a person carries that with him for the rest of his life, by day and by night. Therefore, since it continues day and night, it's not a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama. Therefore, that's why you need a special Xeris HaKasif to tell you that a woman is Pater. Finally, Rabbi Yishmael adds that Siva, whenever it says Siva in the Torah, command, it always means Zeros. It always means Zerizim. A person needs to do it quickly. From the Pasuk called Bechar Banecha Tifta, we learn that a man is Mechuyiv to redeem his son. If the father doesn't do it, he must do it by himself. And since it says Banecha, we learn Banecha Velay Benaisecha, that the Chiv to redeem is only by a boy, not for a girl. If a boy's father didn't do it, and the son only has enough money to redeem either himself or his own son, it's a machlekes, which is a higher priority. It's interesting also to point out that a pinyin haben is very, very rare. If you think about how many pinyin habens you've ever been at your life, it's not that often that you go to a pinyin haben. Why is that true? Because a lot of reasons, one of which we just mentioned before. But basically, if you take children, let's say you take 100 children. So let's say the average family has four children, for example. That means out of every 100 children, 75 already don't have a pinyin haben because 75 are not firstborn. That leaves 25 left that could potentially have a pinyin aben. A girl doesn't have a pinyin aben, as we mentioned before. That means half the kids are, half the 25 are girls, so then now you're down to 12 kids who could potentially have a pinyin aben. Either parent could be a kain or a levy, and then you're again putter from pinyin aben. So I would say out of every 12, you probably have five or six cases where either the father or the mother is a ben or bas kain or levy. That leaves you at about six. And then if it's not peterecha, if it's a Caesarean, then also if it's a tour of Pinyin Aben. You don't have to do a Pinyin Aben. That probably gets you down to four children. So say out of every hundred kids that are born, only four of them have a Pinyin Aben, which would explain why it's not that often you ever go to a Pinyin Aben. Interesting just to look at the math there, but not that many kids have a Pinyin Aben. And talk of the kids who have a Pinyin Aben, it's quite a schus for them to have one. If a person has a Chiyav of Pinyin Aben and a Liyah Regal, both of them, and he only has enough money for one, Pinyin Aben has Kadima. But Yehuda says, first you do a Liyah Regal, since it's a mitzvah iveris, it's something that will pass, later on you can do the pinyin aben. If a man has five sons from five wives, he's mechuyev to redeem all of them. As the Pasuk says, kol bachar banacha tifta, all of your firstborns you should redeem. Aye, but this is pasha, since we know the key factor is paterechem. So a woman's firstborn is what creates the chiv of pinyin aben. So of course, the man would be mechuyev from the five different wives to do a pinyin aben for each of them. Our answers, I would think that just like Nachala, which is Yerusha, is dependent on the firstborn from the father, the same thing by Pidyan Aben, that it would depend on the child coming from the father. Kamash Milan, Pidyan Aben is not totally in the father, but rather is totally in the mother. Therefore, if the husband had five different wives and had five different sons from the five different wives, he would mechuyiv Pidyan Aben five different times. We learn that a father is mechuyiv to teach his son's Torah from the Pasuk of Limaratem Oisam Espenechem. And if the father doesn't teach him, he should teach himself. She, the wife, is not mechuyiv, since it says, to teach, which could also be read, 
ulamaritem, which means learn by yourself. So we can compare these two. Only the one who is obligated to learn Tyra by themselves are mechuyev to teach Tyra. And since it says, v'limaritem aysam es your sons, you should teach your sons, we learn benechem v'loy benaysechem, that there is no chiyav to teach a daughter Tyra. The only chiyav is to teach a tons, the son Tyra. So she also has no chiyav to teach it. Once she has no chiyav to learn it, she has no chiyav to teach it either. The Gemara says if a man only has some time for Tyra, his Tyra comes before teaching his son Tyra. Rabbi Yehuda says, if the son is very intelligent, then you're mechuyav to teach him Tyra before learning it by yourself. If a person has a chiv to learn Tyra and get married, which should come first? Yilmud Tyra, the achar kachisa isha, the Gemara says. But if it's hard for him to learn without a wife, then he should get married first, so his learning will be better. Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel says, the halacha is, naise isha, the achar kachisa Tyra. First the person should get married, then he should learn Tyra. But Rabbi Yechanan says, first you should learn Tyra and then marry. Otherwise, once you marry, your head will be too full of parnasa and worries, and you won't be able to learn very well. The Gemara says Rav Chizda told Rav Huna that he had a high regard for Rav Hamnuna and considered him to be an Adam Chashef. Rav Huna, upon meeting Rav Hamnuna in person, questioned him, since he was supposedly an Adam Chashef, as to why he was not wearing a Sudar, this was a type of a head covering worn by prominent people. In response, he said that he lacked a Sudar due to the fact that he was still single, and it was only customary for married men to wear a Sudar. The Magen Avram and Arachayim Simen Ches, Sifkot and Gimel, comments that this Gemara indicates that customarily unmarried men did not cover their heads with a talus. That's where today's minute comes from, that when someone is not married, they do not wear a talus. Likewise, the Maril writes that customarily boys, even over bar mitzvah, do not wear a talus until they get married. And he says that this is alluded to in the Torah by the fact that immediately after the Pasuk mentions the mitzvah of tzitzes, gedilim tasalach, it mentions marriage, kiikach ish isha. The juxtaposition of these two psukim indicates, says the Maril, that only one who is married should wear a talus. Rafuna said, if a person is 20 years old and he didn't marry yet, he'll have thoughts of Avera until he does marry. Rabbi Yishmael says, for 20 years Hashem waits for a man to marry. After age 20, Hashem gets upset if one does not marry. Rava said, as long as your son is still in your control, see to it that he marries between the ages of 16 and 22. Others say between the ages of 18 and 24. Rashi says this Gemara isn't referring to marriage, but rather you should give him Musr between the ages of 16 and 22 or 18 and 24, because that's when he's mature enough to listen. This is all a machlekes tanayim, since we know from Mishle, chanoich lenar al pidarkai, that a person should teach his son according to his son's ability, and this is a machlekes whether the best age in terms of Musr and teaching a son is between 16 and 22 and 18 and 24. Daflambin. How much is a father supposed to teach his son Torah? The Gemara answers, he must teach him Mikra, which is Chumash, Mishnah, Gemara, Halacha, and Agada, like Zvulun ben Dun, who taught all of these. The Gemara derives from the Pasuk of Limaratem Oysam Espanechem that a father is obligated to teach his son Torah. In Al-Hadaf, they bring the Rambam, in Hilchas Talmud Torah, Perak Aleph, Halacha Gimel, who adds that if the father cannot personally teach his son, he's obligated to hire a teacher to do so in his stead. Rabbi Meisha Feinstein, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, and Igris Meisha, Yeradeya Chelik Beis, Simon Kufiud Gimel, writes, accordingly, that the tuition fees that one pays to his son's Hebrew school or yeshiva cannot be halachically considered as charity, that's Tzadka, and should not be credited towards a person's Meiser obligation. Inasmuch as one is halachically obligated to hire a teacher to teach his son Torah, doing so is only considered as a fulfillment of his mitzvah and not as Tzadka. The Rambam cites a Sifri, but says that not only is one obligated to teach his own children, he's obligated, if he's a Chacham, 
to teach other children as well. The Rambam in Perak Aleph Halacha Beis explains, though, that there is a halachic distinction between the obligation to teach one's own children and teaching children of others. He says that the Torah indicates by emphasizing that there is an obligation to teach one's own children, that teaching one's own children takes precedence over teaching children of others, i.e. if one cannot accomplish both, he should give priority to teaching his own children. Secondly, the Rambam says that one who does not teach his own children is obligated to hire a teacher for them, whereas no obligation exists with regard to teaching other children. In the Rav Shulchan Arach, Hilchas Talmud Torah, it's brought that there's another difference between the responsibility to teach one's own child and the responsibility to teach children of others. He infers from the Rambam, Mitzvah al-Kol Chacham Yisrael Lilmaid es Kol HaTalmidim, that one is not obligated to teach students if he would rather spend his own time furthering his own Torah knowledge. He says that the Rambam implies that the only one who is already an accomplished scholar and well-versed in all areas of Torah knowledge is obligated to teach students. However, with regard to one's own children, one has a responsibility to impart to them any Torah knowledge that he himself has already acquired, even if he would rather utilize his time for his own personal study to further his own Torah knowledge. Bigmar says a father is chayev to teach a son, but is a grandfather mechuyev to teach his grandson? Our answer is only a father to a son, since it says benechem, not benevenechem. But once you teach a son, it's like you've taught a grandchild also, since your son will pass that Torah to his son. And therefore, if you teach a son, it's like you teach a grandson. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, anyone who teaches his grandchild Torah, it's like you got the Torah for him at Har Sinai. And also, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi would not eat until he first reviewed the Torah with his son that his son had learned on that day. From Vishinantam, we learn Vishilashtam, that a person should divide his year into three parts, one-third for Chumash, one-third for Mishnah, and one-third for Gemara. Rabbeinu Tam adds that Bavel, the word Bavel is mixed, means mixed, and we see Talmud Bavli is mixed with Chumash, Mishnah, and Gemara. So when you learn Gemara, Talmud Bavli, you actually cover all three areas. The Pasuk in Vayikra, which has Gachain, the Vav in Gachain, is the midpoint in the middle of all the letters of the Torah. The middle, the middle letter of the Torah is Gachain, the Vav. And Darash, Darash, in Shemini, is midpoint of words. One Darash is one side, and Darash is on the other side. And this Galach is the middle of Psukim. The Torah has 5,888 Psukim. Tehillim, the Gemara says, has eight more than that, eight Psukim more than that. And Divrahiavim has eight, also eight more than that. Taisus asks, it doesn't make any sense, since Tehillim is much shorter than the Torah. So what exactly is the Pshat here?